In this week's episode, I'm joined by John Samuel, author of Don't Ask the Blind Guy for Directions. This week, our conversation is about Lego sets with disability representation, IKEA reaching gender balance globally, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. John, will you please introduce yourself? Hi, thank you so much, Brandette. My name is John Samuel, and I am the author of Don't Ask the Blind Guy for Directions. And I'm also the CEO and co-founder of Abler, which is a disability inclusion and accessibility organization. And uh, my passion for this topic is the fact that I am blind. And, uh, you know, it took me several years to come to acceptance. But uh, uh, once I did, I've been wanting to break down barriers for others. So thank you so much, Brandette, for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will say I really enjoyed your book. I thought it was really <laughs> funny. I think that you're like quite the adventurer. I'm like, wow, this dude's doing some really cool stuff. I, I loved it. But I have to say, John, I was really surprised by how stubbornly determined you were to uh, <laughs> not accept yourself. <laughs> it took you a while. It took me a long while. And, it, you know, I have the bruise and cuts to, to, to show for it. But you know, I think it, it had a lot to do with almost this kind of, you know, not that my folks were like, bad people. I think it was just this cultural aspect of being Indian American growing up with a disability. I think that the cultural aspect of it. And I also think about just my own personal, you know, feelings of just not, you know, feeling embarrassed and ashamed because I hadn't been exposed to people with disabilities. And I thought of it as something bad, not something that was an asset to who I was and part of who I was. I, and I think that was the struggle I do. And I think that's something that a lot of folks from marginalized backgrounds experience is like, well, I, I want to downplay who I am yeah. because I don't see myself represented. And so therefore I'm, I must be, I, I'm going to be excluded or the assumption that there's not going to be support or that there is going to be exclusion. And, uh, but you know, that assumption is based in a lot of reality. Yeah, for sure. You know, because when I looked at, you know, in the beginning of the book, I talked about how I wanted to be an executive like my dad, right? And when I looked at executives, you know, to me, they were confident. They were, you know, they felt like they belonged there. And for me, you know, as somebody, you know, who couldn't see that well, and which then led to me not doing well in other aspects of my life, like school and struggling in those type of things, you know, I just didn't fit the image of what it meant to be a leader. And so, if I could fake it till I made it, that's how I was going to go. And, uh, and so that's why I put on a mask and, and tried to uh, hide the fact that I, that I couldn't see and, uh, you know, didn't want to open up to people about it. Well, I think everyone should read your book because it's really, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not just like, 
you know, rah, rah, inspirational. It is, it is at the end of the day. And I love that about it, but I also just think it's, um, it's a reminder of our privilege. Yeah. I mean, the, it's a reminder of my privilege, right? And I always need those privilege checks. So I think that's that's super helpful. And I think that at the end of the day, most of us are hiding something. Yes. And so it's a reminder to sort of reflect on that as well. What is it about ourselves that we might not be showing the world? That's correct. You know, again, my my secret may have been the fact that I was blind, but I yeah, you're right. Everyone is dealing with something in their life. They're hiding some aspect of their life because they, they don't want to be other. They don't want to be you know, again, excluded. But, you know, once we, you know, we can embrace those things that make us unique and different, you know, the, that really is the fabric of what this culture is and, and what makes us unique. So, you know, we need to help other people to embrace that. And I hope that through my storytelling, people can take away that. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't make always the right, wisest decisions. And, I, you know, I hope people can learn from those too. Well, I think, you know, in the beginning, it's looks, it sounds like you took yourself very seriously and you've come to this point where you don't take yourself all that seriously at all. No, <laughs> you know, by the right. title of the book. And I think that that's a sign of humility, right? And that's a great yeah. quality in a leader. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because, yeah, you're right. I did take myself too serious. I was always, you know, it's so funny. I was talking to my wife about, you know, living in New York over the weekend. And, you know, when I was 26 years old and I wasn't reaching those career milestones like my my friends around me I thought my career was over but I was only 26 years old 27 years old right like you're literally I'm just literally in the beginning of my of my career like there you know and I was still you know literally like I I don't but I for some reason I thought my career I'm just I'm over my life's over you know but you know I had a lot longer to go and there's a lot more and I'm and again even now I'm only in you know I'm only scratching the surface of where I'm going but I think I have a different attitude as I as I go forward. Absolutely. Well, in your work with Abler, John, can you tell us something that is giving you hope? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'm most excited about today is our we have we launched a workforce development program uh, back in October, and we had eight students go through a 16 week technical training program, and they completed that uh, uh, last month. And they're actually starting their paid internships today. So we have eight new folks who are who are joining this internship program to join the workforce. And for me, if we can have eight new qualified individuals who are blind entering the workforce, that gives me hope because they're going to be able to pay it forward. I hope they pay it forward and help other people in their journey. And uh, and uh, that gives me hope that we can we can actually make change. That's fantastic. That's great. I love it. I love it. I love it. More good news. Okay, so let's get into other good vibes from this week. So the first story comes from Lego, which has characters now with a range of disabilities in the Lego Friends sets, as well as on the Lego Friends TV series on YouTube. So they found Lego surveyed over 50,000 parents and kids, and the overwhelming response is that more diversity was needed, and 75% of kids felt like there weren't enough toys that looked like them. So the new characters include kids with Down syndrome, limb differences, anxiety, vitiligo, and a dog with a wheelchair. How about this? What, what kind of impact would this have made on you as a kid, John? I mean, it goes back to what I was saying, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't ever, I, you know, I didn't see anyone who represented what it meant to have a disability. And it took me 17 years to meet somebody with a disability, even though I'm sure I passed so many people in my life 
because what you know the, the number of people you know, with disabilities is like 26 percent of the population but i had my own blinders on that it wouldn't allow me to see this and having a toy like this having exposure to disability uh, you know humanizing what it meant to have a disability rather than just a parking spot would have made a huge difference to me yeah, absolutely. Excellent. All right. Well, the next story comes from the state of Minnesota, where the governor signed an order last week protecting access to gender affirming health care. So, so the backstory here is that transgender folks have been attacked by bills and laws all across the U.S., including some new laws banning gender affirming care for youth. So now the governor of Minnesota, Tim Wall, signed a bill sign an executive order, I should say, which establishes Minnesota as a safe state for transgender residents and refugees for those seeking gender affirming care. So in a, in a, in a segment of our community, which is having a lot of bad news, it, this was really amazing for me to see a governor kind of step up in this way. Yeah, it's amazing. There's an oasis, right, in Minnesota that people can go to, which is, you know, because, you know, North Carolina has had its own challenges with, you know, with bills, you know, that were excluding people. And, uh, and I, this is amazing to hear. It really is. It really is. And I think I don't, you know, generally talk about politics much on this show or in the newsletter. But I think that when there is so much hate towards that, towards the trans community in general, I just, I have to find reasons to celebrate because it's, um, it is tough out there, really tough for them right now. Especially for youth also, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And talk about representation mattering, you know. Um, yeah. We're seeing rep more representation of those folks, and certainly on within the influencer on social media communities. Um, but then when your state is, when the politicians in your state are, like, attacking your your, yeah. your individuality, it's just horrible. Okay. Third story is from Ikea. The IKEA retail division reached gender balance globally for leadership roles. So about half of the global leaders around IKEA are women, which is up significantly. And what I love about this story is how they did it. I mean, full buy-in from the CEO, there was bias training, pay reviews, new hiring rules, which include gender balance candidate slates, final final candidate state slates, and of course, performance metrics. So all of this is really uh, significant, and it's it's a good model for other organizations to adapt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's the intentionality of of the leadership to say, "Look, we need to make a change, and we're going to do it." But we're not going to just do it for the sake of doing it. But we're measuring it in terms of our business case for it too, and and they did it the right way, and it is a great model for others. It is, and I think that especially having accountability and having these hiring targets included yeah. as part of performance metrics, I think, you know, sort of emphasizes the commitment to this, right? It's yeah. not just something that's, um, you know, a, a goal on a website, but they're really putting a lot of substance behind it. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay. The fourth story is from QVC, that home shopping network. <laughs> Which has, and of course, I think this is the first story about QVC I've ever had on the show. Um, so, <laughs> so it has a new spokesperson who is Selma Blair, and Selma Blair has multiple sclerosis. So together with QVC, they're promoting a new robust line of accessible and adaptive products 
across categories. So fashion, home, electronics, and beauty, all easily filtered on the QVC website and even co-branded with a new QVC show, Accessible Living. Wow, this is really intentional as well. Yeah, for sure. And this one made me really, like when I when I read it, I you know, I hadn't, I, I didn't know about it. And it was like, it made me so happy because, you know, QVC has come up a couple of times in my own personal life because one of my very first uh, team members that I brought on, you know, she had retired after 40 years working for the state of North Carolina, but she didn't want to stop working because she enjoyed shopping so much. And her favorite place to shop was QVC because she was low vision. So she didn't have access mm-hmm. to go drive to the store, right? So right. ordering home these home shopping networks and like QVC, that became a major source of, you know, of her shopping. Because oh, wow. you take it off that transportation barrier. So if you think about it, you know, it's it, you're you're bringing the shopping to someone's home, just like online shopping, right? Sure. But here it is. All you're doing is call, you're calling a number, and and you're giving it. So where has to be of the they're just calling the person, and then the person on the other end is answering the phone, taking their order. And so that made me. That was pretty. It kind of remind me of uh, of Carla, who that was the very first person, like the number two employee on my team which made me happy. But then talking about the products that they're selling, you know, I, I launched a case, like, a, I mean, a, a design competition for my cane uh, a few years ago called Drip My Cane. And it was to really kind of, I wanted to make my cane, which is my assistive, te- my assistive tool that I have to use every day, a piece of my fashion. Because, you know, it's just white and plain and it really is like, it's boring looking. And so, you know, I, I'm excited to see, because I've been advocating for three years. Um, and actually over the weekend, General Motors made a cane for me, which I'll be showing later, which I'm super excited about. Wow, that is really cool. exciting. Yeah. Maybe we should give a shout out to General Motors uh, on a future show. For sure, General Motors, they are they are trying to be inclusive. And, you know, I, I spoke there one time and they I talked about this drip my cane and they came up with their own version for me. And it's super cool. Wow, I bet it's a tricked out cane. All right, <laughs> can't wait to see it. Okay, and the fifth story is uh, a political story as well, actually, from the Biden administration. Um, President Biden released a signed a executive order calling for each government agency to create equity teams and establish a diversity, equity, and inclusion steering committee to hold those teams accountable. Defining equity as the consistent and systematic treatment of all individuals in a fair, just, and impartial manner, particularly those who have been often denied such treatment. This is pretty impressive. It really is, right? I mean, from a, when you read about this executive order coming from the talking about top, coming from the top down, right? This is you know talking about you know setting this as a major precedent. But what really got me was that accountability committee, right? So it's not just making those policies, but then also having committee that's separate that's really going to hold it accountable. So that got, that gets me really excited. Absolutely, I think accountability is key for a lot of these things, and and I and I'm glad that they were that was part of the stories, some of the stories this week, because again, that's how we actually make progress. That's how we keep um, keep focused on our target, because we know that someone's going to hold call us out <laughs> if we don't, right? Exactly. Right. I mean, we can all have the best of intentions, but unless you have that accountability, right, things don't really move that far. So uh, good for them. And I'm excited to see how this, uh, you know, develops and grows. 
Absolutely. Well, it has been really fun having you on the show today, John. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you want folks to uh, to track you down, how can they find you? Well, you can come visit us at abler360.com. That's ablr360.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn. You can also check out my book at johngsamuel.com. That's J-O-H-N-G-S-A-M-U-E-L.com. And uh, yeah, please you know, follow me on LinkedIn, reach out. I, I, I love to connect. So thank you, Bernadette, for this platform. And it was so great chatting with you. It always is. Thanks, John. Everyone have a great week. And if you don't already subscribe to the Five Things podcast or the Five Things newsletter, you can subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Take care. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI 